0: Welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL rookie. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the DWZ. That's right. The Dynasty Warzone's very own rookie rundown. As always, I am your host Dallas. You can find me on all the social medias at salad galore. That is Dallas spelled backwards with the double L, G A L O R E. And it is great to be back here speaking to all of you. And on video again, um, we are going to keep this a normal show on YouTube. Um, If you are listening in podcast form as opposed to YouTube, uh, go ahead and check us out on the YouTube channel, um, Dynasty Warzone. It is where we're going to be posting pretty much all our videos going forward, as well as our normal podcasting format. Um, Guys, it's post-draft. This is the fun time. A lot of people basically dive directly into their... Fantasy drafts, the rookie dynasty fantasy drafts. So in lockstep with everyone else, I will do be doing basically my immediate post-draft ranks here on this Sunday following the NFL draft, as well as my risers and followers. Um, specifically tier ranks is what I'm gonna go with. So um again, I focus primarily on tier ranks more than anything. Um, I will have in probably a couple of weeks by the end of the day be posting an actual um, rank basically of players uh the reason i don't do ranks one through 48 or whatever for the typical four round mock drafts and or fantasy rookie dynasty drafts is that um everyone's team makeups are different so like me having a player that is ranked higher than another player by one spot is cool and all but if you need a running back more than this i would just say like that's that's it's, it's just easier to put them all in a tier you know um, as opposed to just individual ranks so um, I use specifically tier lists on this one um, there are some people that have fallen out of the ranks entirely that were not drafted there's some people that were UDFAs that I still have in the back end kind of of this rookie draft um, just just players basically to focus but I'm gonna be going over my top risers and followers at each position breaking down the individual tiers and then the kind of means for the overall landscape going into your fantasy drafts. Um, not the greatest landing spots for a lot of these players um, towards the middle. Of the draft is what I would say. Um, Pretty much anyone that was drafted round four or behind fell into spots that aren't really advantageous for their actual uh, landing spot or production year one. So um, it's heavily weighted (laughs) because of that. But without further ado, we can just kind of uh, hop into the show and get uh, busting on through. So with the quarterback position, initially, the way that I had it broken down in my initial tiered rankings was I had a quarterback tier of two at the top with CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. I still have it as that break. Um, The main difference that we are experiencing here is that rather than adding Anthony Richardson to his, you know, this number one tier to being, you know, the third quarterback off the board to uh, the Indianapolis Colts, um, the landing spot would be good for a quarterback that is ready to play. Um, but with Anthony Richardson, he is not quite going to be in that elite status for me. Um, he's just still too raw of a passer. Yeah, he may have a decent floor, but his like absolute ceiling, if he hits the ground running 100% all throughout the se- uh, season is what we got from a like Justin Fields last year. Um, anything higher is... Asking too much. Um, I don't think any of these guys are really set up to truly pop off their year one, but I think the most stable production you're going to get out of any of the quarterbacks in this year's class are still C. Dufresne and Bryce Young. So Anthony Richardson does not break into that elite tier, but rather than being in his own tier below my tier two and my pre draft ranks, he is in his standalone tier as QB three in this class right now for me. So it's CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, break, Anthony Richardson, break. Um, He is up one tier from where he was before. I had a couple of names that I liked more as prospects that ended up falling due to their actual draft spot that are now in the tier right below. Um, Those names include Will Levis, Hendon Hooker, and Stetson Bennett. Um, Also, I'm forgetting to tell you where these teams landed, but CJ Stroud ended up with the... Houston Texans. Uh, You had Bryce Young with the Carolina Panthers, Anthony Richardson with Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Will Levis with Tennessee has long-term value, I think, after Ryan Tannehill, but is nothing right now. Um, Hendon Hooker falling in Detroit is actually an amazing landing spot for him. He could be the starter next year. I actually like him a little bit more than Will Levis, but he's still in this tier. And then Stetson Bennett is a name to watch out for in Los Angeles with the Rams to back up a guy like Matthew Stafford, who both has had injury issues and a lot of talk about him retiring soon. So it's a name that actually makes a lot of sense. After this tier, we go to tier four. I have Clayton Toon, Jake Hayner, Jaron Hall, and DTR in this tier. Um, A lot of people in this tier basically fell down. Um, Clayton Toon was in this tier before, but Jake Hayner and DTR both fell two tiers. They were in my tier two. Uh, Didn't get the draft capital and the draft capital that they did get. Would have been fine for a middle round quarterback, but the landing spots specifically of New Orleans with Hayner and Uh, Cleveland with DTR means that It has to be an injury. It's the only way that they're going to see the field. Realistically, it's not going to be this year because they'll be the QB3 on the rosters. So they fell quite a bit. Um, And then the last year that I have is Max Duggan and Tanner McKee. Max Duggan ended up with the Los Angeles Chargers going with his main man, Mr. Quinton Johnston out of TCU. And then Tanner McKee is backing up Jalen Hurts now in Philadelphia. Um, The quarterback position, although there were 13 in total that were drafted, did end up being kind of ugly with a lot of the landing spots nothing really pops off no one really stands out if either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud had ended up in Indianapolis I think we would have a completely different tune to this class but the um, optimistic outlook for these quarterbacks is not quite as much as we were hoping just due to the dearth of weapons still on the teams that got those high-end quarterbacks moving on to the running back position oh sorry Uh, my highest riser at the quarterback position was Stetson Bennett Uh, I I like the landing spot a lot for him and it makes a lot of sense Um, I mean he could Realistically, be a career backup his entire year and make Chase Daniels money type of deal. But I think this is actually a really good situation to where he could pretty easily take over for a guy like Matthew Stafford in a year or two. And then the biggest faller was DTR, um, athletically really gifted, fell behind a guy who he plays similar to, just is a little bit less accurate. And so it's more of a long term flyer. You're hoping that he can become kind of like a Tyler Huntley was for Baltimore when Lamar was down or Tyrod Taylor, kind of that second career um, fill-in guy, but it's just athletic traits. None of these guys outside of the top three really for me hold a lot of long-term value. And then Hendon Hooker's the only one outside of those top three that I'm like, yeah, okay, I could see it. So going on to the running back position, um, initially a tier of one single person in my initial rankings of Bijan Robinson is now a tier of two. Um, it's impossible to ignore, really, what we got with Jameer Gibbs going to Detroit in the first round at 12th overall. Um, you can't really ignore it. They just shipped off the Andre Swift to Philadelphia as well. So now that two-person tier of Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs is what it is. Um, the Bijan Robinson landing spot, albeit it is good because he landed in a um, run-first offense down there. There's a lot of weapons, a lot of us to feed. They're going to have to run a very simplistic run it down your throw offense for him and Algier to be proficient. And I think Algier still going to see some touches. So it's not the best landing spot that we could have gotten in Dijon, but it's definitely serviceable. So he's still up there. Jameer Gibbs, um, he'll basically be doing what DeAndre Swift did. Will he do it more effectively? I'm not confident in that because I don't think that they want to run their offense like that. So it'll be pretty interesting to see where he goes, but his value for the purpose of even if you don't love him, trading him away is going to be higher than any of the other guys. My second tier, which was previously made up of Jameer Gibbs, Zach Charbonnet and Sean Tucker is actually now only comprised of three, play- uh, three players, still. But the main issue with this is that Zach Charbonnet is the only one out of those initial three that are still in this tier. Um, Ty J Spears moved up a tier from the one below this as he landed in Tennessee. As I said, Zach Charbonnet is actually in Seattle, which is just atrocious, but he got really good draft capital. And so it's like, ah, are they just going to split it more? What's going to happen? I mean, you have to take him at a certain point in draft. So I couldn't put him any further down than the second tier. And then a guy I just really wasn't in on, but I, You got to accept when you're wrong. Um, Devin A. Chain um, size apparently didn't matter to the Miami Dolphins. It was the perfect landing spot for him with Miami. And so he actually moved up two tiers into this second tier. Uh, Those are the three guys in that back end of the first early second that I will be debating quite a bit with some of the wide receivers that did get pretty good landing spots in this year's class, um, along with some of the tight end. So it'll be pretty packed and loaded towards the back end of your firsts um, in your rookie drafts this year. So that is something that you can look forward to quite a bit. But um, it's <laughs> wading through the number of players I think will be a little bit difficult. So it's just whatever your team needs, um, as long as they fall within a tier of the other players that are on the board, which realistically they should in that range, you should be okay. Um, the next rank is actually a standalone player by himself, and that is Mr. Roshan Johnson in Chicago. Chicago was always going to be a good landing spot for a running back um, Roshan is actually my highest riser running back outside of Chris Rodriguez, who tied him for a three tier climb. Um, I'm not a projection player, um, but getting at the beginning of the fourth round, fourth round draft capital for Roshan Johnson in a backfield that is needing someone to carry the ball over 150 yards, basically, or 150 times for them is a little bit too good to pass up. Um, It ranks him a little bit higher than some of the other guys that are going to have to fight quite a bit more in order to get any type of workload in their offense. So I like the draft capital. A lot of people like the player. Um, I thought he was just middle of the road, everything like that. So we shall see if it was a good fit and if he can do what we've been getting from Monty in Chicago as much as we have over the last four years. The next tier is a tier of a total of four backs. Those four backs are Tank Bigsby, who landed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Kendra Miller, who landed with the New Orleans Saints, Zach Evans, who landed with the Los Angeles Rams, and Chris Rodriguez, who landed with the Washington Commanders. Um, as I said, Chris Rodriguez was tied for the biggest jump with Roshan Johnson at the running back position in three total tiers. He was a guy that in my previous couple of episodes that I had broken down the prospects, I had explained to you that I liked a lot, but his athletic profile wasn't exactly exactly flashy enough and dominant enough, I guess, to warrant a super high draft pick. So it would have to be a middle round draft pick to a team with a need for another running back. And honestly, landing in Washington's fine. Um, He is going to go in and compete right away with Antonio Gibson and with Brian Robinson from last year. There's a chance that he could easily steal work for one, if not both of them in both passes uh, passing and rushing work just due to his overall workload. He's a bruiser and he just kind of fits the mold of all the other running backs that have gone in and out of the Washington and, uh, specifically that offensive scheme of the last couple of years. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, looking at Zach Evans, Kendra Miller and take Bigsby. They're in the similar Roshan tier, like I said, with a production upside, but they're going to have to fight harder to get that production floor out of their offense. Um, the competition with Travis Etienne for Tank Bigsby is pretty big. Um, I mean, Etienne was, I think like seventh or eighth in the league in um, rush percentage share of their team ranks out of everyone in the NFL. Um, Kendra Miller going into North, Orleans would be great. And I thought it was a lot better than it actually was until I realized that Jamal Williams actually has a 7 million dead cap next year in 2024. So there's basically no way that they're going to cut him for that amount of money, which means you're going to have to wait two years for a guy like Kendra Miller to truly chip in unless they were to get rid of Alvin Kamara via trade or suspension or something like that. So he may get a little bit of flash work with an inevitable suspension of a guy like Alvin tomorrow this year, but long-term you're gonna have to wait a little bit too long for me to like truly invest, invest in this guy. Um, when it comes to Zach Evans, Zach Evans is the opposite. Um, if Zach Evans is better than Cam Akers, which a lot of people think is like a 50, 50 shot, he could be the lead back for Los Angeles Rams. So th- this is that middle round pick that I think is going to end up working out or tanking your drafts a lot of times, um, depending on where you take him in redraft specifically and in your dynasty ranks. Like If you're taking him high second, it, it could work out like Damian Pierce or it could really not work out like a Keyshawn Vaughn. So um, it, the, that's the range of outlook you're looking at. A guy that is going to get a lot of work his first year in the NFL, but people probably are not going to commit to, is going to be, without a doubt, your biggest deal. And it is a guy that is in a standalone tier because of this. Um, It's Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State. He ended up falling to the Dallas Cowboys. And it fits a compliment with Tony Pollard that is really, really nice. Um, That dude is super good, and they don't have a lot of other options or answers in that backfield. They have Rojo, who realistically won't. Probably won't make the roster. So as long as they don't re-sign a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, Deuce Vaughn is probably going to have a really consistent third-down passing role, and maybe even sprinkling into that first and second down early in drives role for this team as a truly versatile weapon. Um, the next tier is a tier of four players. So this is going to be my tier of my dropping players, is how I would describe it. Um, all four players in here dropped further than I anticipated them dropping. And somewhat went undrafted. Um, so we'll go with the fallers first, more so than anything. We have Chase Brown out of Illinois falling all the way to the end of the fifth round with Cincinnati. And we have Israel Abanakanda who didn't fall super far. He was early fifth round, but the issue with Israel is that he went to the New York jets. Um, not the best landing spot for his long-term value. As long as Brees Hall comes back and is as dominant as people think he's going to be when he comes back. But he'll see some early season work. I just don't want to invest the capital right now that is going to be necessary for Abinaconda to get him based off of his long-term outlook. It, It just isn't super sustainable for me. So if he starts to fall, he's a guy I will have in this category where I'll basically probably be reaching on this category, depending on where I am in drafts. If I'm concerned, I'm not going to get one. And I really need a running back depth Or we start to hear reports later on in the off season. But as of right now, kind of concerning and then chase brown like i said he basically comes in and fills in perfectly that samaj p ryan role but this tells you that Mixon is basically there to stay so unless chase brown really carves out a role in the offseason um he's kind of a forgettable pick the two guys in this tier that went to undrafted free agents but ended up falling in spots that were extremely advantageous for where they ended up xavian Valaday ended up landing in houston um, as a priority, he was one of the first three people that were signed in um, the post-draft period. They don't have a pass catching back in that offense in Houston. It's a perfect complement to a guy like Damian Pierce. So I feel like this is a guy that, I mean, you probably don't even have to take in your rookie drafts, and it's going to be really advantageous for you. Now, I the, the reason he's this far down on my rank, I mean, I have him as RB16 right now. Um, I'm not making the same mistake that I made with a guy like, uh, Javon Hawkins uh, to Atlanta it went undrafted free agent. I'm accepting the fact that he went undrafted free agent, but his skill set, talent, and landing spot line up really well to where he could be one of those late round steals or waiver wire guys that you pick up that could be very, very good for you. Um, a guy that, even though he went undrafted free agent, uh, I am still probably going to have a lot of is Sean Tucker. Um, he took a nosedive in value. A lot of people aren't touching it just because the heart condition, but if someone was able to basically immediately sign him as a post draft option. It's, it's obviously something that they were okay with. They were just kind of riding the wave of the running back falling train. So he lands in Tampa Bay. He's, in my eyes, immediately the best running back that's actually on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. And so it's a very fascinating situation that you have of risk-reward is what you're going to have to play when it comes to a guy like Sean Tucker. But I'm probably going to be dabbling quite a bit in that risk-reward game. Both Abnaconda and Sean Tucker are my biggest fallers at the running back position. Everyone else was pretty status quo at either staying in the same tier that they were in or only rising or falling by one tier. So at max, you had a positional drop um, outside of these two guys, basically of four spots in rankings, something like that, which is still just a shocking approach of I'm not going to argue very tightly once we get outside of like the top six guys, probably. The next category is three guys. Um, These are three guys that are going into situations where they are going to be the bona fide backup. As of right now, if there's an injury, they immediately are going to get a sizable workload in that offense. But I'm not confident that the teams aren't going to bring in another running back as a proximity. Let's wait and see type of thing. So you have Eric Gray landing in New York. He is the backup to Saquon Barkley right now. We've seen the injury prone history of a guy like Saquon Barkley. And thus it makes sense as a stash specifically late in drafts. You have Evan hole who goes to Indianapolis to presumably be the number one backup to a guy like Jonathan Taylor. Um, you also still have Zach Moss there. There's not a big difference between Zach Moss and Evan hole. Actually, if you look at their stats and breakdowns coming out of the college, so it makes sense. And then you have Dwayne McBride, who's kind of a freaking clone of what we've been dealing with Alexander Madison over the last couple of years. I know they just resigned Alexander Madison, but he is a guy that, um, that fits that role pretty perfectly. And if they end up basically getting rid of Dalvin Cook in a trade, which is what seems to be happening here pretty soon, um, immediately following the draft, according to reports, he slides in and then you're just a 1A, 1B situation with a guy like Alexander Madison. And then the last running back, who is only the 19th, um, the last on the board, there's quite a few that fell off and I didn't even rank basically out of my top 24, would be a guy like Kenny McIntosh. Um, it, it just, really ugly situation. He landed in Seattle who already drafted uh, Zach Charbonnet. So it's, it's a guy where he's hopefully going to be able to show something. So he gets picked up by another team in the trade or something like that, but he's, he's not going to do anything for your team. And I wasn't really high on him anyways. He was my last tier player and the last player in my last tier in my top 24 rankings prior to the NFL draft. So take that as you will. Um, As a reminder, biggest risers were Roshan Johnson and Chris Johnson, uh, Chris Rodriguez. They ended up basically going somewhere along the lines of like three, kind of three, basically three categories higher than what they were beforehand. And then the biggest followers were Israel Abnakonda and Sean Tucker, also falling the three categories there. Wide receiver had the, I would say, the least amount of overall shakeup for my players when it comes to how far they jumbled. Um, there's not massive drops, massive gains really from any players outside of Michael Wilson and Jonathan Mingo. But those are two players. If you listen to my episodes prior to the NFL draft, I discussed in depth about them talking about how they were the players in a similar vein to last year, like a Velas Jones Jr. or a, um, oh, what's another example, a Romeo Dubs. Where I had them further back in my ranked, but I had them pooled with two to three players to basically where if they got the draft capital and the landing spot, I would be in on them. And if they did not get the draft spot and landing spot, I would stay out on them. Um, These two guys got the landing spots and the draft capital to back it up. They were both day two picks. Works out really well for him. But starting with the first category, the only wide receiver I had in my wide receiver one tier prior to the NFL draft with Jackson Smith, Njigba out of Ohio state, he landed with Seattle, which is great for his long-term value. But as of right now, don't love it for maximum volume values, but he is still in my top tier just due to the two guys that he's with. Um, Being kind of target hogs is what you could realistically expect in their offenses going into this year, but ceiling isn't there compared to what Jackson Najibic could do. So um, it's a three-person tier now as opposed to a one. You ha- now have Jordan Addison on the USC who landed with Minnesota and Josh Downs at the UNC who now landed with the Indianapolis Colts, joining him in that first tier. Um, pretty solidly in that first tier with them to where I think those three guys are going to get the highest target volumes, as well as probably the highest opportunity in the red zone out of anyone in the top probably 10 wide receivers now outside of one player in Jonathan Mingo, who's in my next category. That's just because if you're looking for this year's Ross St. Brown, Jonathan Mingo is probably your guy. Um, the volume that he's realistically going to get in Carolina should be really freaking good. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but those three guys are there. Josh Downs and Jordan Addison were just in tier two prior to the NFL draft. Bumped up one spot. Not a huge jump. Not a huge difference. But Jackson smith Jigna is no longer in his own tier for me. I think it's pretty safely. I'd be comfortable with any of those three wide receivers if I was looking to move down, acquire a running back instead, that type of thing. Um, that's where you get into the debate of... The ranking in tiers versus the ranking of individual one, two, three, four, five, all the way down the list. So that's where I'm at with those three players. The second tier is now a tier of five players, it was four players prior to the draft. And three of the players that were in the tier prior to the draft are still in this one. Um, the only one to move out is actually Xavier Hutchinson. He moved down one tier just due to the fifth round draft capital, but we will get to that when we get to him. Um, this tier is made up of Rasheed Rice, Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston, Michael Wilson, and Jonathan Mingo. Um, Michael Wilson and Jonathan Mingo both went up three tiers. As I said, they were in that same category that I was referring to earlier of the jump players. So they are there kind of went in depth on them. Uh, Rasheed Rice landing in Kansas city is going to, bump up his stock quite a bit um, in similar vein to what we got with a guy like um, Sky Moore. Sorry, I was blanking what his name was. Sky Moore um, from last year. So it's a name that's probably going to go off a little bit earlier than I'm comfortable taking him. So I probably won't have a lot of Rishi Rice, but I understand why people want him. It's a very advantageous landing spot. Zay Flowers did not have an advantageous landing spot. He went to an offense that needed a non-slot receiver, um, due to the fact that they already had Rashad Bateman, Devon DuVernay, and Mark Andrews on the team, and then they drafted the most slotty slot receiver that was in this year's class. So it'll be very interesting to see how they work in Zay Flowers um, if they try to use him in a similar vein to what they used Hollywood Brown for when he was on the team. Um, my biggest gripe with that is that if they were going to do that, they should have taken someone like a Marvin Mims or a Jalen Hyatt over a guy like Zay Flowers, because I think they're more equipped to be that deep threat slot than a guy like Zay Flowers actually is. Quinton Johnston came in uh, to the Los Angeles Chargers. Love the quarterback landing spot, but the redundancy fit here of having Mike Williams and him on the team is just hilarious. Um, if if they don't use him as a big slot, the team is not helping themselves ultimately that much, so it'll be interesting. He's probably going to go as a consensus first-round pick. I'm not going to be touching him based off of where he's going. The next group of players I have is actually a player group of two people. Um, it is tech Dell and Xavier Hutchinson. I have them both in the same tier. They were around difference of draft capital and they both went to the same team, the Houston Texans who are still in need of wider receiver help. Um, so basically I have them together because I like their skill sets for very different reasons. There was only like a 35 pick difference in slot location based off of where they were actually taken between each other. And thus It's hard for me to pick which one. Um, My homerism and my pre-draft takes tell me that I want to take Xavier Hutchinson over Tank Dell, but Tank Dell got slightly better draft capital than Xavier Hutchinson. So it's like, I'm going to have to wait and see kind of throughout the offseason to see which one I like more. That's why I have them ranked together um, early on in drafts. I'll probably be going with Xavier Hutchinson, but by the end of them, probably very likely I go with Tank Dell. Just wanted to put them together, explain why they're together and understand that they're no longer in that elite to B tier league. They're just kind of this is my middle tier. This is the break where situation becomes a problem for a lot of the guys below here the last two, I didn't want to fall into that category, if that makes sense. Um, so you have that. The next tier is a tier of five players and it's very similar to the tier of four players I had before. It's just that Marvin Mims moved it down from the tier that he was in above this one and now is in this tier alone. This is the speedster tier. Um, (laughs) none of them really landed in locations that truthfully, truthfully helped them out. Um, So you're looking at the group of Jalen Hyatt, Trey Tucker, Tyler Scott, Charlie Jones, Marvin Mims. Jalen Hyatt landed in the New York Giants scheme. Uh, I think that's a redundant skill set based off of what they have with Darius Slayton already, as well as Rwanda L. Robinson. Hilarious that they went that route again, as opposed to just going for a bigger wide receiver. You have Trey Tucker, who went to the Las Vegas Raiders, who do need a speed threat, but it is the Las Vegas Raiders, and the odds of them accurately using that, slim to none. You have Charlie Jones, who came in to Cincinnati the inevitable replacement to a guy like Tyler Boyd, tons of competition in his rookie year. And they only ended up using that late fourth on him. So if he does succeed or kind of flash, are they that committed to him next year when they do let go of Tyler Boyd, or do they go just for another draft of another slot speedy guy next year? Um, You have Tyler Scott, who's in the similar vein to a Charlie Jones, where Tyler Scott went to Chicago, already have Darnell Mooney as that deep slot option, as well as Valus Jones Jr. They're bringing a guy who can kind of play any of the positions on the team right now, but is going to be most effective as a field stretcher from the zone um, and from the slot. And that's what Mooney does. So I think this was more a move for next year. I think this means that Mooney is not getting resigned next year, as opposed to going for a big guy wide receiver, probably going to end up with Claypool on the team with us. Um, But for 2023, it doesn't look that great. And then Marvin Mims, it's the landing spot for me. He landed with a guy like, you know, uh, Russell Wilson, whose deep ball is very nice. But the thing is, you have the competition of having Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Tim Patrick already on the team, as well as Adam Trautman and some other tight ends, Albert O, still, um, Craig it's just so many mouths to feed in this offense. And I know that's a cliche and a trope, but it's, it's the fact if you're not a big bodied guy, if you're a speed demon who needs targets consistently to be good, um, it's probably not going to happen in Denver with Marvin Mims. The next category is two players. They're big body wide receivers. They are my biggest fallers and is based off of location and the middling draft capital that they both got. Um, I am referring to Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee, as well as um, A.T. Perry out of Wake Forest. So there's a two round difference between them. Um, Cedric Tillman went towards the back end of the third and A.T. Perry went right at the beginning of the sixth round. Um, But when you're looking at these guys, they're the big body guys that fell into less than advantageous situations. A.T. Perry fell into a better situation than Cedric Tillman did. That's why I have them in the same tier, even though there's a two tier, di- a two round difference between them. Um, Cedric Tillman going to Cleveland is abysmal. Um, he has to beat out DBJ, which I'm not confident he can do his rookie year um, in order for him to get like pretty much any touches consistently considering how David Bell is a much better slot receiver than a guy like Cedric Tillman is. Um, It'll be just fascinating to see how they split the reps and if he even really gets a ton of work, AT Perry is the opposite way where they need a wide receiver three in new Orleans. He is a big bodied guy that they don't really have on the roster right now. Michael um, Thomas will be the slot receiver. You will have a guy like Chris Olave just stretching the field and being used all over the place, but they needed a true like X bigger guy on the outside. Um, Little Jordan Humphreys was the one that was mainly playing that role for them over the last couple of years. And now bringing in A.T. Perry, he'll probably have a much more consistent role than a guy like Cedric Tillman. But the draft capital and the talent portion of this, I had to technically put them in the same tier, even though I think A.T. might be a little bit better going forward. Um, What, as I said I'm not digging on a guy like Cedric Tillman. It's just the landing spots for a lot of these guys are um, highly suspect. Um, After this, we have quite a few different um, wide receivers that are just in the athletic, athletic guys that teams took flyers on because they need a big athletic wide receiver but they didn't want to use draft capital to get them Um, you have justin shorter out of florida landing in buffalo elijah higgins out of stanford going to miami kayshawn booty out of lsu um falling to the patriots and andrew uh sorry andre Isuvis out of princeton falling with cincinnati these are all guys that were taken in the fifth to seventh rounds, um, they're all big body guys. Justin Shorter actually got the best draft capital of any of them, which is hilarious because I kind of called that. I had a feeling someone was going to end up taking a flyer on him, um, but. You're seeing Buffalo basically, in my opinion, take their inevitable replacement for a guy like Gabe Davis the following year. You're seeing Miami once again take a shot on a thick, big-bodied X wide receiver. They're still trying to fill that role. They had to deal with Juwan Jennings on the team last year as the most protective one. Sorry, Trent Sheffield as the pr- most productive one. But last year, they took um, Eric Ezukanma out of Texas A&M to try and fill that role. Didn't see the field at all. They're taking Elijah Higgins now, trying to fill that exact same role, kind of of what Eric uh, Ezukanma was supposed to, as well as kind of, in my opinion, slide in a little bit and fill in for Mike out as a big slot as well. He's going to be a versatile weapon, but he's the only body type that they haven't quite found an answer for on that Miami offense. And once they do, it's pretty much game over for the league. Keishon Bute going to New England to learn under Bill Belichick um, will be interesting when it comes to the off the field stuff. I think it'll dial him back a little bit. I don't know how it's going to help with the route running ability and the actual play. Um, They're not exactly known for making, you know, lemonade out of the lemons they're given in the form of wide receivers. They're usually, making shitty water um, for lack of better phrasing. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And then you have Andre Osovius, um out of Princeton. Like I said, he went to Cincinnati. Um, that's kind of a hedge play for a couple of years down the road. They always like those big body guys, kind of like Michael Turner, um, but this is more of a hedge move. See what they can get out of him year one. If he shows Tons of flashes, then they can feel a little bit more comfortable in letting T Higgins go in a trade package next year to recoup a lot of value and then still not really lose a lot on the outside from their X receiver. The next category is rounding up the wide receivers, the top 24 and it's three guys that are going to basically end up playing slot roles, but they're going to be middling wide receiver fours, probably based off of where they were taken. You have Parker Washington out of Penn state going to Jacksonville. You have Ronnie Bell out of Michigan going to San Francisco and you have Puka Nuka out of BYU going to the Los Angeles Rams. All of them are trying to fill kind of that slot, just all around player, thicker players, all three of them. But I don't know that it's going to work out for any of them. Um, They just got drafted. I don't want to talk about uh, gadget players that were drafted in the fifth and sixth. So they didn't break into my 24. I'm going with guys that at least I had in my rankings beforehand and I feel confident in their ability to like succeed in the NFL quick pause. Um, If you are watching on YouTube, you will see the scrolling banner below my glowing face with the headband on Um, as always. I've been basically pumping out different merch for the DZPC network, as well as soccer jerseys, um, anime work, uh, blue lock specific stuff. So if you are interested in uh, picking up any merch, the link is directly below my face. If you are listening in podcast formats on Etsy, just look for Dally's merch, D-A-L-L-Y-S-M-E-R-C-H. You'll be able to find the account. Um, Currently a drop out there that will be ending, I believe in a little over two weeks now. Um, It is the Dynasty Supreme logo, Supreme um, embossed, embroidered logo on the front saying Dynasty. We do hats, we do um, head of tees, that type of thing for the Dynasty scape. We're going to be having a new shirt basically every month dropping fantasy content related. So uh, just... Follow the shop if you aren't. If you want to stay updated and make sure to listen to the pod because I'll be dropping info on it as well. But back to your regularly scheduled programs, we are now diving into the tight end position. And this is the one that is the juiciest. Um, the landing spots for these tight ends was amazing. Um, so in a, it, it, in a class where originally I only had two players in my top tier, I now have four players in my top tier. I'm comfortable taking any of these guys at any point. Really, if I need a tight end uh, starting at basically like 107 to 108, pick your flavor, pick your location. All of them are probably going to be studs where they landed. Uh, Michael Mayer, <coughs> Dalton Kincaid, Luke Shoemaker, and Sam Laporta. Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame landed with the Las Vegas Raiders who just traded away a guy like Darren Waller. They like to use the tight end in that offense. They brought in Austin Hooper, but have no one else to carry the load at all at tight end. Locked and loaded true guy who's going to get a lot of work a lot of blocking work and be on the field a lot Dalton Kincaid went to Buffalo inevitable replacement to Dawson Knox this tells me they're trying to get out of his contract at the end of this year which is where the cutoff basically was for them to attempt to get out Um, he's a big boy big slot and another potential replacement to a guy like Dave Davis to help you know lessen the burden when he does leave at the end of the season Luke Schoenmaker out of Michigan goes to Dallas um, to then go as a one-two punch with a guy like Jake Ferguson. Um, Luke Schoenmaker is better than Jake Ferguson, in my personal opinion. I was a big Jake Ferguson guy last year, so this would be very interesting. I think you sh- you'll you basically end up seeing probably for the next two years that debate between Shoemaker and... Um, Ferguson in the similar vein of what we got with Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz. And one of them is going to be a really big steal. So it's better to get in on that cheaply with Shoemaker now, as opposed to later when you're going to have to pay up like we had to with Dalton Schultz and Sam Laporta, biggest target for me at least at the tight end position uh, goes to Detroit needed it badly. Athletic freak, absolutely going to love the fit. He's going to immediately get worked into the offense and, be a contributor from day one so the the tight end landscape is looking very very good right now the second tier for me is a tier of two players it is risers and my biggest risers at the position that ended up going up two total um, draft tiers based off of i needed to see landing spots for me to be in on them you have josh wiley out of cincinnati and cameron latu out of alabama josh wiley landed in tennessee um, Tennessee needs a tight end that can play all of the field, a bigger one than a guy like Quanquo who they had. So I think that was a great fit for them. He may be a little bit more of a blocker, but that is another large target in the red zone that'll ultimately help out that offense a lot. And then Cameron Latu coming in as a true freaking blocker. And where does he go? I said it before the draft class, probably the best blocking tight end in the draft class in Cameron Latu with a lot of athleticism. Guess where it goes? San Francisco with the best blocking and athletic tight end in the league in the format. show. Um George Kittle. Love the fits for both of these. They both went up two categories, as I said. Um, these will be targets for me towards the back end of the second round, early into the third in tight end premium. And I think they're going to be names that will be around for a little bit, um, at least the next couple of years. We'll see them on the field probably quite a bit more than anyone else that's remaining. <clears throat> a standalone tier is a guy I didn't know what to do with following these two, and that is Darnell Washington. I ended up landing in Pittsburgh kind of a neat situation landing spot, but, uh, I, I don't even, I don't know how to unpack this right now. I'm going to be completely transparent with you guys. Um, coming in realistically probably just going to be like a swing tackle for them is what I would basically assume another big target, but um, not the mold that they typically go for with tight ends. Um, He's not taking the reins from a guy like uh, Pat Fryermuth, but all I can say is hopefully you got rid of your Pat Fryermuth shares while you could last year um, because I think it's going to get ugly snap share wise in this uh, Pittsburgh offense. And then, I have five players in my last year here, and these are guys that all landed in less than advantageous situations where there's direct competition immediately for them, even if the team needs a tight end that can, uh, you know, Produce. Will Mallory went to Indianapolis is competing with like six guys at tight end, none of which have truly broken out. So it's just add another name to the hat that you're going to mix and pull a name out of each year. Uh, You have Luke Musgrave and you have Tucker Craft both going to Green Bay Packers. Um, One of them will be a passing one of them will be a blocking most likely even though both of them are bad at blocking. So it'll be fascinating to see how they do that. If they end up keeping both, congrats, but that's going to be really ugly for a lot of people. Um, Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion got really bad draft capital in the seventh round, but the thing is he fell into a landing spot. that They need a tight end a little bit better than what they've been rocking thus far. Extremely athletic, but he's a project probably two years down the road. If they can get anything out of him with, Aaron Rodgers on the roster still. It's a success for them. And then you have Payne Durham out of Purdue. Payne Durham ended up landing, as I said, with Tampa Bay. Um, He is there now with Kate Otten. It's a one-two punch. Durham is a better receiver than Kate Otten, so I think that actually helps a little bit. But you're probably going to see a a similar situation to what we saw with O.J. Howard and Cameron Brake for the last couple of years play out with Payne Durham and uh, Kate Otten that's now on the team. But that's been the general gist, guys. Um, my biggest riser is just to run through all of them again. Stetson Bennett at the quarterback position, falling with the Los Angeles Rams. Roshan Johnson out of the University of Texas, following with the Chicago Bears. Chris Rodriguez out of the University of Kentucky, following with the Washington Commanders. Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss, falling uh, to the Carolina Panthers and rising up three spots there. You have Michael Wilson out of Stanford going to the Arizona Cardinals. Charlie Jones, out of Cincinnati, going to Cincinnati. Uh, You have Josh Wiley, also out of Cincinnati, this time going to um, Tennessee. And then you have Cameron Latu going to San Francisco out of Alabama. So those are my biggest risers. I only have five big fallers technically. Um, DTR to UCLA, huge project. Now I was wrong. So be it. They didn't love him in the NFL. Yeah, I, I take the take the lump on the on the head on that one. Uh, Israel Abnaconda out of Pittsburgh and Sean Tucker out of Syracuse, both guys that fell longer and fell into different landing spots. Um, Optimistic for both long-term. If Brees Hall's injury is worse, um, I think Tucker is still a threat to take a lot of snaps next year. That's all I'm saying. And then Cedric Tillman and A.T. Perry. Um, Cedric Tillman and Tennessee falling to... Why am I blanking on where he fell to? Cedric Tillman, Cleveland. There we go. And A.T. Perry out of Wake Forest falling to the New Orleans Saints. Um, Those are my biggest fallers from where I had him pre-draft. This has been the encompassing pre-draft take, and hopefully this helps you break down the tiers a little bit better and kind of give you the heads up as to where you should be looking at moving on to a different position if guys out of that tier are no longer available for you. Um, If you have comments, questions, concerns, per usual, find me on Twitter or all the social medias at Galore double L. Again, check out Dally's merch on Etsy if you're interested in any product information. And if you aren't a member of the Patreon, make sure to get in there because the Patreon drafts are starting to roll off now for the DWZ network. And you will get a lot of our exclusive content for a very low, low, low price monthly. Uh, Until next week, enjoy yourselves. And I will be back talking more rookies next week. When we add up all those inches...